Book two, chapter two of a family of noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book two, as becomes good kinsfolk, chapter two not more than ten years had passed since the death of simple simon but the condition of the various members of the golovliov family had so completely changed that not a trace remained of those artificial ties which had given the family the air of an impregnable stronghold this stronghold erected by the tireless hands of arina petrovna had crumbled away but so imperceptibly that she herself was ignorant of how it had happened was even involved in the destruction the leading spirit in which of course had been porphyry the bloodsucker from an irresponsible hot-tempered ruler over the golovliovo estate arina petrovna had descended into a mere hanger-on in the home of her younger son a useless hanger-on with no voice in the household management her head was bowed her back bent the fire in her eyes had died out her gait was languid the vivacity of her movements was gone she had taken to knitting to occupy her idleness but her mind was always wandering somewhere away from her needles and the knitting was a failure she would knit for a few moments then her hands would drop of themselves her head would fall on the back of her chair and she would begin to go over bygones in her mind until she got drowsy and dropped off into a senile slumber or else she would get up and begin to pace the rooms always searching for something always looking into corners like a good housewife hunting for her keys which she usually carries about with her and has now misplaced somehow the first blow to her authority was not so much the abolition of serfdom as the preparations preceding it at first there were simply rumours then came the meetings of landowners and addresses next followed provincial committees and revising commissions all these things exhausted and confused her arina petrovna's imagination active enough without additional stimuli conceived numerous absurd situations how am i going to call agashka she'd think perhaps i'll have to tack a miss before her name or she would see herself walking about in the empty rooms while the servants were taking it easy in their quarters and were gorging themselves with all kinds of food and when they got tired of gorging she saw them throwing the remnants under the table then she would find herself surprising yulka and feshka in the cellar devouring everything in sight like beasts and she would itch to reprimand them but would have to check herself with the thought how dare one say anything to them now that they are free why one can't even appeal to the court against them however insignificant such trifles may be a whole fantastic world is built up of them which holds you tight and completely paralyzes your activity arina petrovna somehow suddenly let the reins of government slip out of her grasp and for a space of two years did nothing from morning until night except complain one or the other she was fond of saying gains all or loses all but these meetings and addresses and commissions they're nothing but trouble at that time just when the committees were in full swing vladimir mikhailitch died 
On his deathbed he repudiated Barkov and his teachings and died appeased and reconciled to the world. His last words were, I thank my God that he did not suffer me to come into his presence on an equal footing with the serfs. These words made a deep impression on his wife's receptive soul, so that both his death and her fantastic notions about the future laid a coloring of gloom and despair on the atmosphere of the house. It seemed as if both the old manor and its inhabitants were getting ready for death. From a few complaints that found their way into the letters of Arina Petrovna, Porfiry Vladimirych's amazingly keen perceptions sensed the confusion that possessed her mind. Not that Arina Petrovna actually sermonized and moralized in her letters, but above all she trusted in God's help, which in these faithless times does not abandon even slaves, far less those who because of their means were the surest prop and ornament of the church yudushka instinctively understood that if mother dear began to put her hope in god then there was some flaw in the fabric of her existence and he took advantage of the flaw with his peculiar subtle skill almost at the very end of the preliminaries to the emancipation he visited golovliovo quite unexpectedly and found arina petrovna sunk into despondency almost to a point of prostration well what news what do they say in st petersburg was her first question after mutual greetings had been exchanged porfiry cast down his eyes and sat speechless no you must consider my circumstances continued arina petrovna gathering from her son's silence that good news was not to be expected right now in the maid's room i have about thirty of these creatures what shall i do with them if they remain in my care what am i going to feed them on at present i have a little cabbage a little potatoes some bread enough of everything and we manage somehow to make both ends meet if the potatoes give out i order cabbage to be cooked if there is no cabbage cucumbers have to do but now if i have to run to market for everything and pay for everything and buy and serve how am i ever to provide for such a crowd porfiry gazed into the eyes of his mother dear and smiled bitterly as a sign of sympathy and then if the government is going to turn them loose give them absolute leeway well then i don't know i don't know i don't know what it will come to porfiry smiled as if there were something very funny in what it was coming to don't you laugh it is a serious matter so serious that if only the lord grants them a little more reason only then here's my case for instance i am by no means an old rag am i i must have my bread and butter too mustn't i how am i to go about getting it think of the bringing up we received the only thing we know is how to dance and sing and receive guests then how am i going to get along without those wretches i like to know i can't serve meals or cook i can't do a thing god is merciful mother dear he used to be but not now when we were good the almighty was merciful to us when we became wicked well we mustn't complain i'm beginning to think that the best thing for me is to throw everything to the dogs really i'll build myself a little hut right next to father's grave and that's where i'll spend the rest of my days porfiry vladimirych pricked up his ears his mouth began to water and who will manage the estates he questioned carefully throwing his bait as it were why you boys will have to manage them yourselves thank god i have provided plenty i ought not carry the whole burden alone 
Arina Petrovna suddenly stopped and raised her head. Her eyes fell on Yudushka's simpering, driveling, oily face, all suffused with a carnivorous inner glow. You seem to be getting ready to bury me, remarked Arina Petrovna dryly. Isn't it a bit too early, darling? Look out, don't make a mistake. Thus the matter ended in nothing definite. But there are discussions which, once begun, never really come to an end. A few hours later, Arina Petrovna renewed the conversation. I'll leave for the Trinity Monastery, she dreamed aloud. I'll divide up the estate, buy a little cottage on the grounds, and settle there. But Porfiry Vladimirych, taught by past experience, remained silent this time. Last year, while your deceased father was still alive, continued Arina Petrovna, I was sitting alone in my bedroom, and suddenly I thought I heard someone whispering in my ear, Go to the Trinity Monastery! Go to the Trinity! Three times, mind you. I turned about, there was nobody in the room. Well then, I thought that must have been a sign for me. Well, I said, if God is pleased with my faith, I am ready. No sooner had I said that, than suddenly the room was filled with such a wonderful fragrance. Of course, I immediately ordered my things packed, and by evening I was on my way. Tears rose in Arina Petrovna's eyes. Yudushka took advantage of this to kiss his mother's hand, and even made free to put his arm around her waist. Now you are a good girl, he said. Ah, how good it is, darling, when one lives in peace with God. You come to God with a prayer, and the Lord meets you with help. That's how it is, mother dear. Wait a minute, I haven't finished. Next day in the evening I arrived at the monastery and went straight to the saint's chapel. Evening service was being held, the choir was singing, candles were burning, fragrance was wafted from the censers. I simply did not know where I was, on earth or in heaven. I went from the service to Father Jan, and I said to him, Well, your reverence, it was mighty good today at church. No wonder, madam, he said, Father Avakum had a vision today at the evening service. He had just raised his arms to begin praying when he beheld a light in the cupola and a dove looking down at him. Well, from that time I came to the conclusion, sooner or later my last days will be spent at Trinity Monastery. And who will take care of us? Who will have your children's welfare at heart? Ah, mamma, mamma! Well, you're not babies any longer, and you'll be able to look after yourselves. As for me, I'll go to the monastery with Anushka's orphans, and live under the saint's wing. Perhaps the desire will awaken in one of the girls to serve God. Well then, the convent is right at hand. I'll buy myself a little house, plant a little garden, potatoes, cabbage. There'll be enough of everything for me. Such idle talk continued for several days. Arina Petrovna making the boldest plans, withdrawing them and remaking them, and then finally carrying the matter so far that she could not withdraw again. Within half a year after Yudushka's visit, this was the situation. Arina Petrovna not at the monastery, nor in a little house built near her husband's grave. Instead of that, she had divided the estate, leaving only the capital for herself. Porfiry Vladimirych received the better part, and Pavel Vladimirych the worst part. End of Book 2, Chapter 2 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine